Then, and Adrian's like, and he's like, eh, I'll just take it out to the shop. <laughs> I'll just grind it down. Funny moon mask. <laughs> Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. You're already cracking up. I am. You got to stop that. You got to be serious so you can read the show description. Midsummer Maniacs is a... No, I didn't say say it like a serial killer. I said (laughs) read it seriously. Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the ma'am, the loonies, and everything else we love. And when we say recap, spoilers are implied. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And that's absolutely true. We just assume that you've watched it. If you haven't watched this 10-year-old episode by now... Don't listen yet. Go watch it first. Go watch it first. Yep. But, you know, we're getting into newer episodes. Newer. They're a decade old. (laughs) This show is quite a history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also... If you can let your kids watch the Eclipse, they can listen to the podcast. Depends. Do they have the special glasses? Or the masks. Those masks are fantastic. Those masks prove to be dangerous. We're talking about... Season 15, Episode 3, Written in the Stars. Yes. Couple of announcements off the, off the top. Sarah, can I borrow some money from you? Mm-hmm. I need two and a half million. Oh. Pounds. You might need to tell me what you're going to buy. I'm going to buy a house that's been featured in Poirot, certainly, Mm -hmm. and supposedly Midsummer, but I'm not sure it actually has been in Midsummer. If you've watched any of the David Suchet Poirots, you have seen this house. It's a white stucco, art deco kind of looking house, and it's for sale, and the the agents are listing it as the Poirot slash Midsummer house. It's an Abersham Buckingham Hill. It's Buckinghamshire. Gorgeous. It's Absolutely. It's so beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. I would love this house. When I saw the listing, I sent a link to Mark with an IM that said, I think we should just go ahead and buy this. What do you think? I it's, mean, it's nice. It's in the King of Clubs episode of Poirot, where yeah. they're playing cards and the girl runs out of the house. She comes, she knocks at the door and, and yeah. wet in the rain. Yeah. 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 And Japs, we'll, we'll link Japs after the, the vagabonds, that whole yes. episode. We'll link to it because, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. And and maybe somebody will remember what Midsummer it's in because I can't quite place it. But I, I but it's familiar to me, but I know I've seen it in Poirot and other things. So There is a mighty cooker in this house. Oh, man, the stove. Just the stove alone is incredible. just beautiful. But also there is a bearskin rug with a blue undercoat electric it. blue lining yeah, yeah that matches yeah. the electric blue furniture in that it's room. fabulous yeah you gotta see it well we'll put the link in the the story it's another example of british press going put midsummer in there the old people will read it then. that'll drive some traffic yeah it's amazing <laughs> what alerts i get for midsummer murders being mentioned and things that are absolutely utterly unrelated Completely to midsummer unrelated to midsummer <laughs> And how many times can people publish stories? It says, Midsummer actors, where are they now? Or okay, we know where they are. Why uh, certain actors left Midsummer? Oh my gosh. How many different gossipy versions of that story? Oh, God. Uh, along the line of uh, 
surprises that we might find in our news feeds. We got some corrections this week yes, from we, some listeners who listen and watch very closely. We have we have hit the big time of YouTube comments. Yes. We got some uh, corrections. And we appreciate it. Absolutely, Absolutely. We appreciate it. Like, okay, this is episode 92. We have watched, we watch each episode at least twice before the show. Yeah. And we have four children in college. <laughs> We're very busy people. Plus, we both have jobs. So I don't think it's that. I think sometimes we get so distracted by something in a scene that we miss other things in the scene. Totally. There's sometimes just too many things to yes, look at. There are too many things to look <laughs> and at. And often, unfortunately, it can be like a little element of the plot that we miss because we're like, oh my gosh, did you see what was going on in the background well, of that scene? <laughs> last week, we forgot Kyle got killed until yeah, we remember. We were like, oh yeah, there was another murder too. Anyway. Yeah. And so we cover chronology sometimes a little weird too. Yeah, because we, we kind of jump we around understand. a little bit. But one, one of the people on YouTube did say that weird vending machine in the cop shop was a coffee ATM. Okay. Okay, it's cool. It doesn't look like the, uh, the ones here. It didn't look familiar to me. So thank you for letting us know what it is. Thank you. Uh, another thing that got mentioned is when we say maybes, <laughs> which is kind of a trope that we have where something happens, which is weird. Like this woman got killed by a cheese. And then Sarah says, well, maybe that was the only thing handy to the killer. And I go, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That <laughs> um, could be it. But we have fun with that. So. Yeah, that's all right. But if we're ever wrong about something or you disagree with us, by all means, let first, us know. First of all, that's thank one of the you great things about Midsummer for listening to us that closely. <laughs> oh my gosh, you pick up stuff. It makes me now even more nervous about breath sounds and all those things that I have to cut out. <laughs> you, anyway. you mean breath sounds, right? Yes, because that sounded a little bit like breast sounds. No, no, my no, I don't. You're not breath. bumping up against it no, with your it's, chest. It's, okay, it's the. <laughs> The noises you make with your mouth <laughs> that both of us make because we're humans that I edit out so that we don't sound like crazy people. It just it actually that kind of correction makes me feel really good because we joke a lot about how we found our people. And that's just evidence that we've that, definitely that found our people. <laughs> definite evidence that we have. Because there are people who watch it even more closely than we do. Yes. And that's awesome. Yes. It's great. Absolutely. You guys uncover awesome stuff that we didn't notice. On to the episode. Yes. Written in the stars. When was it filmed and when did it air? Filmed in May, June 2012. 24th of September 2012 is when it was broadcast. 5.6 million views. Not a lot of views. That's kind of fast turnaround. They filmed it in May and June and it aired in September. Yep. And then directed by Rennie Rye, who directed the last one. So like one right after another. Another correction. This week's episode was written by Stephen Trafford. I said it was last week's, but Elizabeth Ann Wheel wrote last week's. Oh, okay. So... I just got it wrong. This is getting back to good old Midsummer Looney Tunes. This is a fantastic episode. I, I There are so many things I like about this episode. We're in Midsummer Stanton. We've never been there before. No. Apparently named after a guy who donated a ridge in an observatory. Yes. <laughs> so he made, did he like, he own all of, like, did he own this village and they named it after him? Or, and I don't know, but... Well, we started the University of Midsummer, which we haven't. No, we've seen it before. We, we have. We've even been on campus before. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I think we should have a Department of Criminology 
Midsummer, uh, University of Midsummer shirt. No, it should be Department of Maniac Studies. <laughs> uh, the sign outside of the Stanton Observatory, they've made better signs. Oh, what was wrong with it? It's kind of like on Bristol board. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they, uh, they definitely could make better signs. Mystic there. Mags has a nice little cart. Oh, Mystic Mags has... There are a lot of great production stuff in this episode. Props. But but the Stanton Observatory sign is a little bit, we stuck this on a fence outside of an observatory. Well, and, and we know it's an observatory because it has domed roofs. Yeah, well, yeah. If you've got domes. Yeah. Stars. Yes. Midsummer Stanton is another great example of, it's almost as if they took the entire county of Midsummer and said, all right, everybody who wants to live here, get together, get together. Okay. What do you like? Oh, you like cooking? Okay, you got to live in that village. Okay, you like stars? You got to live in that village. Yes. I don't care if it's astronomy or astrology. It's yep. stars. You live there. And it's as, it's as if there's a, like the majority of people who live in the village are into this thing in some way. Yeah. And so the plot affects everybody. everybody in the village. Right? They're all, they're all involved. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of them. And there's only one hobby in this town. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's a shared hobby village. Everybody's tied up in it, right? So we've got this... Um, observatory on the ridge but it's called a star dome yes. not an observatory yes the stanton star dome astrodome astrodome sorry yes astrodome which makes me think of the football big stadium. football stadiums <laughs> they're called astrodomes here the moonstone ridge bronze age heritage site is where this takes place so time team has just left yes right <laughs> well they found all the stuff that he uses to kill people yeah. later on oh, man <laughs> Ah, oh, Tony and, and Mick and Phil provided all the weapons. <laughs> so the conceit here is there's an eclipse and everybody in town has come out to look at this eclipse. The eclipse is well done. Except for except for Lawrence, who is like, I have to talk business with people all the time, including right in the middle of this eclipse. If he's an astronomer, wait a minute. If he's a physicist... Wait a minute. If he's an astronomer. <laughs> maybe he's an astrophysicist. Maybe he's an astrophysicist. If he's one of those people. He's it, seen it. No, it's a significant <laughs> event. He would be taking measurements and doing all sorts of Yes, things. but, you know, he's probably got people doing that and his funding is under threat. So nothing is more important than that. Did you see that they used a plane to sell the eclipse? Like there's a little plane no. going on by the eclipse. I didn't it's notice like, that. Yes, it's a real eclipse. There's a plane there. I was so impressed with the eclipse. It didn't matter. Well, I thought it was great. And then out of nowhere comes the fantastic Mags. Mystic Mags. Mystic Mags, who writes for the Midsummer Mercury. Births, horoscopes, and deaths. Yep. For constellations, <laughs> star charts, yearly transits, and progressions. That's what our sign oh, says. Oh, that's what our sign says. Yes. So I wasn't sure at first whether it was Mags, like short for Margaret, I guess it would be, or if it was Mags short for magazines. No. The first time I saw it, it was uh, like Mystic Mags. Okay. Like, is she selling all kinds of, like, astrological stuff? Maybe. Or is her name Mags? Did you see how much the, the funky, scary eclipse masks were? No. They're three pounds 50. Those moon masks? Yeah. I'm assuming they've got the special lenses in them. Supposedly, so that you can actually look at the eclipse, right? Yeah. Because there's a whole bunch of, you can't look at the eclipse montage here. Yeah. Don't even try with your naked eye. 
Now, have you ever been in a full solar eclipse? Have you ever seen one first person? Full oh, solar. Oh, sorry, sorry, lunar eclipse. This L- is a lunar eclipse, right? Lunar. Or is it a solar eclipse? I don't know. It's an eclipse. <laughs> what well, has to be a solar really dumb. <laughs> it has is it to what's be... passing over it or what is being covered that is it important? Ha- it has to be a solar eclipse because solar eclipses happen in the day and lunar eclipses happen at night, maybe? Okay. Before you write your YouTube comment, I'm not an astronomer, okay? Have you ever seen a full eclipse? I saw the the most recent one in the United States that was really close to it. Yeah. There was one where uh, the first one, I was a kid. I was in grade three, so it would be like 78. There was one in Canada. And I was so psyched for it. And it was cloudy that day. I was so pissed. Oh, man. I was really pissed. I remember I was pissed about it. I remember one when I was a kid. And I doubt it was a complete eclipse. Because those are so rare. And and when they are, when they do happen, the likelihood that you're going to be able to see it where you are if you don't live near the equator is, you know, slim. But I remember one that was, it must have been close to it. But, But what I remember is not what the sun looked like what i remember is what the light looked like yeah i remember looking around yeah and thinking how weird it was it's day for night and they do a good job of imitating it yeah Yeah. and it's and it's like sudden yep like somebody turned the light off yep and then it just comes back on but it's it's not regular nighttime darkness it's a different kind of darkness it's strange and yeah they do a good job of of that well lawrence is looking for jeremy who with him runs the astronomy department it seems mm. it's it's Lor- it, no sorry no jeremy is the the local guy local guy he's the um amateur guy yes and lawrence is the professional tenured professional guy yes and he the, did you see the signs for the Certificate of Higher Education in Astronomy. No. Oh, it had lots of emails and websites on it, none of which actually work for Midsummer University and everything. But of course, you, you tried them all. Yep, I tried them all. <laughs> the I thought the eclipse is really well done. We get to, to meet Peter and Harry and George and Lawrence and Katrina and Mags. Like, really, the whole cast is here on the top of the hill for the very beginning. Yep. And then Jeremy walks off with Guggen. They're talking. And then he's dead. Yep. And Mags finds him. Now, we've there's already a, said... There's spo- a really nice fade there, too. We always, we've already said we spoil the episode. Yep. Adrian is the killer. Yes. Where is Adrian keeping this meteorite when he's just hanging out? Just pulls it out of his pocket and whammo. He's got a magic pocket that can hold a whole meteorite. Uh, it doesn't pull his pants down, sorry. <laughs> Maybe he pre-hid it in a bush maybe. so it was ready. But how or did... maybe he was carrying it around. Showing... Well, no, he wouldn't do that because then if he killed somebody with it, you'd know exactly who did it, wouldn't you? I don't know. It, it's the other deaths I have more understanding of than the Jeremy death. Mm-hmm. So. Well, his head's cracked like a coconut. Cracked like a coconut. So she, she puts a, a magnet on the meteorite. Yes. Do you know why that works? Because when it's out in space, it becomes magnetized? No. I'm not an astronomer, at least. <laughs> <laughs> because that kind of meteorite is mostly iron. Oh, okay. It's not magnetic. It's ferrous. 
Okay. Right? So magnets stick to it. Okay. But it itself is not a magnet. It's not a magnet. I wasn't sure if all meteorites were like that. If they were all very iron-based. Mm-hmm. They're not. No. According to NASA, they come in three styles. Okay. The irons. The irons. The stonies. What do you think that's made out of? Stone? Yeah. And Isn't the iron... iron a stone? No. Okay. It's a metal. Okay. So the irons, the stonies... And the iron stonies. What do you think they're made out of? Iron and stone. You're right. Oh! Ding, 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 ding. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not an astronomer, but I play one on a podcast. <laughs> as far as we know, uh, nobody's ever been killed by a direct hit from a meteorite. That's fantastic. But people have been injured by them. Oh, I'm sure. There was a lady in, I'm going to try it, Silcagua, Alabama. Wow. In 1954, an eight-pound meteorite crashed through her roof and severely bruised her. Wow. Yeah. Most meteorites that make it through the atmosphere are like pebble-sized. Yeah. Like, at most, they're like a small fist, like a child's fist size. Yeah. So the fact that this was an eight-pound one that went right through her roof and hit her while she was probably watching TV. Then there was that one in 2013 in Russia. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I think I remember that. The, the Chelyabinsk... One that was, it was the size of a house and it exploded 14 miles above the surface of the earth and sent a shockwave like 200 miles. It blew windows out 200 miles away. Wow. It was a big bada boom. Yes. Guess what the biggest meteorite on earth is, how big it is. Like that they have. Yes. That's that the, the biggest meteorite to survive going through the atmosphere, which burns the majority of them up. Yeah, like the the one that killed the dinosaurs was destroyed in the explosion. Right. But this one, this is a f- probably a fragment of a meteorite, but it's Maybe a big one. Maybe as big as a car? Well, yeah, it's close. It's nine feet by nine feet by three feet. Okay. It's like a big rectangle. Yeah. It was found in Namibia. Yes. But my favorite thing is it's called Hoba. Hoba. That's its name. Wow. Hoba. Nine by nine by three, That's and it's solid iron that's a big chunk of rock i can't imagine how much that weighs if that hit you you'd be more than bruised how did we survive that hitting the earth i don't know when it landed okay but they found it so it may have it may have actually hit the planet a long time ago yeah but it's definitely a meteorite wow hoba fear the hoba fear the hoba (laughs) i would (laughs) because it's implied that that jeremy got killed because he was whacked on the head with a meteorite during Another celestial event, which is not probable. <laughs> oh, do you really think that we were supposed to believe that that meteorite came out of the sky and hit him? I think so. No, it would have been hot. I would think so. It would have burned his head off. It wouldn't just crack it. The closest I have to that is, and you probably don't remember this. You might be too young. But when Skylab happened, I remember that summer. We were always like, it's going to hit us. We man. were all convinced that, that yeah, some kind Skylab of space shrapnel was going to come out and down hit and hit us. us. Yeah. Like, what are the chances when, like, what, 80% of the Earth is water? Well, they it's said... It's going to hit your they house. They said they weren't sure where it was going to come in. Right. So, but then it landed in Australia in the middle of nowhere, so... As it would. Yes. Yeah. The fact that it hit land is pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Pete, Pete's business is interesting. 
Yes, the Aquarian Systems plumber business. He has the most sophisticated plumbing business I've ever seen. He does indeed. Like at first I was like, what is he, a pool cleaner? Or like a pool installer, an aquarium guy? Well, No, he's a plumber. Yeah, and it's got a name of a constellation. Of course it does. It has to. every Because again, we're in Midsummer Stanton. And that is the astronomy village. Yes. So, so everything has to be so themed, not only even do we the ha- pub. Not only do we have an aptly named pub, which is... The half the, moon. The half moon. We have an aptly named plumber, mm-hmm. which is the Aquarius. And then an aptly named tea room, which is the Moonstone Ridge tea room. Well, that's named after the place. That yes. makes sense. And Stanton Museum. If it was the Lunar Tea Tea Room... <laughs> be different do you like that that the name of the tea room and museum are in completely different fonts on all the signs as if they can't be grouped together <laughs> bugs you i have a note about that. i know it bugs you what no what bugs me okay jeremy is dead mm-hmm. and his wife's name katrina is katrina now i understand the grief takes different forms for different people. And they didn't have the best marriage. They didn't have the she best marriage. She was marriage. cheating on him. But she has the tea room up and going right away. She busies herself. She does wind up running off to cry. But I think that's more about her sister than her husband. Yeah, I think so. She's more sad about Mary. Yeah. Like, how bad was Jeremy? It must have been pretty bad. I don't know. But Lawrence seems like more of a jerk than Jeremy. And yeah. she's... Having an affair with him. Yeah. Maybe she's just attracted to jerks. All this story stuff's going on, and I'm like, wait a minute. That picture has Global Astronomy Month on it. (laughs) And I'm like, is there such thing as Global Astronomy Month? Yes, there is. Of course there is. It's in April, and it's run by a group called Astronomers Without Borders. That's great. Yeah. Did you pick up the references to being moonstruck? Yes, now, this is where we hear about the lunar fragments being used to build the spearhead and the disc. Yeah. So That these, were uncovered at the Bronze Age site on the ridge. These are Bronze Age site. So I have this whole backstory in my head about Stanton being an antiquarian and finding the spearhead and the disc. And the meteor, I guess. Yeah. And the me- where does Adrian <laughs> get the... I don't know. I thought the meteor was in the museum, but he hasn't, but he's, I don't know. He hasn't broken into the museum yet. Or maybe it's in the observatory collection. Maybe. It's there instead. So Katrina's sister was found dead on that ridge 15 years ago. Yes. Her sister, Mary. And there's all this spookiness about the ridge, too. And Mary was married to Harry. Yes. When Harry met Mary. On the ridge. Yep. And there's suspicion about mary's death right? the only her body place was moved. that people go to think too oh absolutely you have to think on the ridge where else could you possibly think even though somebody just died there yes harry's upset that mary's death has never been closed they don't know really what happened or how she died katrina is of course upset about that and so it's like, well, is it related to that? Is that why Maybe. somebody's killed on the ridge? Because it's, you know, because Mary died there too. No. It's possible. Red herrings. Speaking of red herrings, what do these people study? Because the student, the PhD student. Guggen. Guggen writes about the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in her thesis. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's a PhD student. Mm-hmm. She's writing a thesis. Okay. All above board. 
We're all on top of that. Mm-hmm. And Adrian is encouraging her. Because, Adrian's her tutor. Yeah, and Lawrence is the head of the astro- of this, the department, the department, and an expert on the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. I guess mm-hmm. now the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which means you can't measure how fast something is going while you're looking at it or where it is. You can only measure one of those things at a time: mm-hmm. movement or location, not which both. Totally has relevance to astronomy. Yeah, absolutely, but. She's talking about the theory of uncertainty here, and that is physics, not astronomy. She would the the better thesis she has is the finding of the planet. I don't have a problem with that. I think astrophysics is a thing, and they go together. And you can't not you can't study astronomy and not understand physics. And okay. if she wants to talk about the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in the context of astronomy. That particular element of her thesis may be being taken out of context to look at closely, but it may have implications on celestial bodies of some sort in the context of her thesis. I'll give you that. It would be useful uh, to convince us that that's what she's doing if there were some star things written on that board, too. But there's none. <laughs> so it looked like she was applying it to something, but it's about protons. and Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. So Adrian says... She has the brain the size of a planet. Oh, but um, bum His pun. Well, yes and no. The earliest example of where that's from I found was Douglas Adams. Really? I think he originated the phrase brain the size of a planet. I'm all about that. I love and Douglas that, Adams. So, so that's from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Does Trillion Adam. have a brain the size of a planet? No. Or is it the, uh, Marvin? Marvin says... I have the brain the size of a planet, and you want to talk to me about life. Yeah, Marvin the <laughs> depressed robot. The paranoid android. Yes. We got two Why camp. does Peter Grove have a giant wait. radio dish in his front Wait, yard? wait, 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 wait. <laughs> he has that because he's on the amateur squad, right? We've okay, got we have the, the professional squad. Got, and that the, is Adrian and Lawrence and Guggen. Yeah. And then we have the amateur squad, which was Jeremy... Peter, George, and Guggen. She's on both squads. Who who all end up dead. Amateur squad is not what you want to be on. You do not want to be in the amateur club. Nope. Right? So Peter, who is, I guess, the most intellectual plumber ever in Midsummer. He's also gay, by the way. That's just dropped in from five. No, 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 no. Feet. It's hinted at earlier because he says, "Yeah, because I'm successful with all the ladies in Midsummer." Yeah, I get that, but it's still dropped in out of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I think it's just to say, Dad, this is how off you are in your paranoia about me. Yeah, the guy you think that I'm sleeping with is gay. Yeah. So back up. <laughs> yeah. That's how off you are. So Peter has the a radio. The guy I'm sleeping with is the. Killer. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not even suspicious of him. Nope. Peter has a radio telescope. But what I'm really impressed by is that Guggen and Peter and Harry are apparently doing some really complex analysis of data. Yes. That's coming down from the big time telescopes. Yes. Right? On their home computers, in their sheds. On paper? Maybe. There's when- a there's some paper involved. When Peter says, oh, I'll, I'll analyze that newest data set, Harry hands him a stack of paper. Yeah. So is he going to have to enter all that data into his computer? I don't know. Wow, that would be painful. You wouldn't do it. No. Do that. No, you wouldn't no. do that. 
But they are like serious business amateur astronomers. But they're also interested in little green men. I think you kind of got to be if you're an astronomer. You have to at least be able to say there's a possibility. Yeah. And isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Right? It's a big universe. Maybe it's because I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind last night. I'm kind of like under the influence of aliens, but I think that's cool. I'm all right with that. And Peter says the legend is that there were some moon-faced aliens yep. on the ridge at some point. <laughs> then they go to talk to Lawrence, and all it is is Lawrence is a bad guy. Don't pay attention to Adrian, and we'll throw in some stuff about stars and space. Lawrence is an officious jerk. He is. He's one of those people who is rude because he likes to be rude. He's not the most efficient jerk in this episode. That's the next scene. Yes, but he's dismissive and sarcastic because he wants to be. The way that he talks to Guggen is not a way that any chair of a department would ever talk to a PhD student. Oh, when he says that her thesis is shallow. Yeah. Thanks for that feedback. That's really useful. I know exactly where to improve. Also, jerk. everybody in academia who I know, if there's a bad thesis and a bad PhD student, they take it as their failure. In some cases. And the, and the, or the department's failure. Yeah, especially a student like her who's so smart. Yeah. If she's not doing the right thing, it's because she's been misguided because she's totally capable. Yes. But Lawrence is not... I think he's supposed to be the academic who's not really into academics. He's more into the business of academia. Panelson proudly presents yeah. the observatory. He's more into sponsorships and cash. Yes. You know, than anything else. Speaking of cash, you know who's hard up for cash? The newspaper. Woo! The Mercury editor, Jack Cluth. You mean J. Jonah Jameson? Because that's who he is. He doesn't have a cigar. He might as well. Rawr, rawr, rawr. He's got two employees. Besides Tanya and Mags, who else works at the paper? Spice it up. I'm out. <laughs> Or you're out. I'll be in my office. No, he doesn't even say that. He leaves. I think he leaves. Oh, he goes to his office? I don't know. He, he never shows up again. But, I mean, Max does obituaries, birth notices, and the horoscope. Why is it her responsibility to keep the paper afloat? I don't know. He wants sexier horoscopes. Ooh. Okay, I can do that. How is that going to help? So, the, at the end, they look at Katrina Harper's chart. Because, supposedly... Mags has has predicted the death. Now, you said I'm not an astronomer. I'm not an astrologer. Okay. I have had my chart done. Yes. And my impression of it, at least the one that I had done, and listeners correct me, the one I had done was like for my life. It wasn't a horoscope for this week. Yeah. Like you you have it done once. Mm, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess they could interpret the current star situation and how it would impact you specifically. Maybe. Anytime you wanted that done. Maybe. So Katrina's had it done recently and some part of that implied that maybe Jeremy was going to die. So now Mags is like, I predicted his death. Yes. Let's put it on the cover of the paper. Do you think that she actually predicted his death or just fakes it? I think there was something there that she could say you could interpret that way and that's how she chooses to interpret it. Yeah. Because she doesn't say right away when she finds him, I knew he was going to die. Yeah. Right? It takes her a little bit, which means she went back and reviewed it and went, well, that could mean that he was going to die. I don't think Mags is a bad person. No, I don't either. Except for the fact that 
she pushed what's her name down the stairs. As her husband says, she's a charlatan, but it pays the bills. Yes. Right? She's a nice charlatan. So at the cop shop, they see the newspaper headline that Mags has predicted this. And boy, that article is not what it says it is. There's a headline and a photo of Mags, but then the, the copy, the body of the article is something different? Yes, it says one man named known locally as Jeremy Hope, 43, died shortly after the officers arrived. And I'm like, immediately like, no, he didn't. No, and his name's Jeremy Harper. Yep. It says Jeremy Harper. So oh. The next sentence clued me in that something was definitely so wrong. So they just swapped the name out. Yep. The next sentence says, the second body was discovered <laughs> at the parish church of St. Lawrence, where the white... Where while the police band was, the police tent was erected outside of the church entrance. It's a really weird. It's hard to read. Yeah, it's very hard to read. So they swapped out one name in the first sentence and put in Jeremy Harper's name. And then the rest of it is describing something completely different. Well, Jeremy Harper lives opposite the church and and described hearing gunfire. So this guy hears gunfire (laughs) at the church. Goes over and finds a, bu- a, body, a body and then, and then gets, gets shot. Killed. That's not a plot that I remember. In addition, the article repeats the paragraphs twice. Mm. So that appears again. So they're just filling. It's not as good as the Microsoft manual stuff. No. That's brilliant. You know, it would have been better if it was, it was like Jeremy Harper was, you know, hit over the head with a meteorite, blah, 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 blah. Then police discovered a second body. That of Peter Groves, killed with a javelin or a spear. That's why I kept reading. I'm like, whoa, it's a psychic article. I was hoping it was a psychic. It's seeing the future, man. And I couldn't find any actual reference to this shooting or killing. The closest I found was a guy who got shot named Jeremy Harper in a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So Yeah, clearly, because that story wasn't about Jeremy Harper. It was about somebody named completely different. They just swapped it out. Yep, yep. So Jeremy finds out that Lawrence has a plan to tear down the Astrodome, the amateur observatory, yep. and to develop... The, oh, by the way, I'll put that picture in the show okay. notes. And to develop the ridge for the university. Yeah. That's what they're fighting about, right? That's, that's the big deal between the two of them. And they think, oh, well, that's why Jeremy died. It's because Lawrence, Lawrence killed him because he was going to interfere with the plans, but of course that's not it at all. The real plan is for Sarah to do yoga. With Sykes. Yeah. This is the Sarah does yoga episode. It is. We've had the Sarah jogs episode. Yep. And now we have the Sarah does yoga episode. Yes. I love that when they go to Mags and they're like, well, let us see the star chart where you predicted that Jeremy was gonna die. Mags is like, it's, it's confidential. Yes. Like she has client confidentiality, like well, like a doctor or a lawyer has. She is an astrologer. Well, she doesn't have a privileged profession. Okay, what's a privileged profession? An accountant, a lawyer, doctor, priest, journalists, spouses. Mm-hmm. If you told me something, I could say I'm not going to tell the cops that because it's spousal privilege. I don't have to testify against you or give you up. Yes. But... Nowhere in any list in the UK or in the US did I see astrologer in in those professions. <laughs> nope. If she if she was a social worker or a therapist of some sort, she'd be fine. But I th- I think they could say hand over the chart. Harry's the chemist. Mm-hmm. And that's Guggen's dad, and he talks in idioms. He does. It's kind of 
It's a little racist. It is. They make him sound like some kind of Indian visionary. All it, men it, are come come are cut from the stone of the same mountain. It would only be worse if he was the yoga. Oh, he is the yoga instructor. Teacher. Yeah. yeah. When your house is burning, it's too late to dig a well. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, idiom man. My third chakra's upset about that. It's hey, there's more diversity in these episodes than ever before in Midsummer. There is. But they've they've got a little bit of maturity to go. Yep, they're getting better. And that's all right. They'll get there. The first half of this episode is intrigue and you know, what's going on, who's with who and and uh affairs and things like this. And then the second half of this episode turns straight into costumed killer serial killer gonna get you episode yep it's fantastic yep and uh so harry because he is you know the yoga teacher and he's idiom man he and katrina meet in the car on the ridge because that's the only way that's the only place you can talk you know they meet on the ridge and he says you're shaking like an onion paper yeah i thought that was kind of weird that's weird like like a leaf like a scared bunny you're shaking like a scared bunny. Scared. You're shaking like a leaf. It's sh- the idiom that everybody knows. You're shaking like onion paper. Onion paper. That sounds kind of icky to me. A little bit. So there's a break-in in the museum, and the following things are stolen. A spearhead mm-hmm. and a moon-faced disc. Now, you know, as soon as the spearhead's stolen, somebody's going to die with it. Because yep. that's happened before in Midsummer. I know John wasn't there, but... He should have said, wait a minute, somebody's going to get stuck with that spear. That's what happens here. No, Jones just thinks it's metal thieves. <laughs> Do you understand how... <laughs> They're not... These are thousands of years it's old. It's not copper wiring being stripped out of a house that's still under construction, Jones. <laughs> like, it's Bronze Age artifacts. <laughs> but it has the same red fibers as the rock had. Because of those damn gloves. Yep. And this is also the first time that we get the Moonface Serial Killer's theme sound. Yes. The rain stick. Yes. You should insert the sound of a rain stick here. Do you know how they're made? No. So they originate in in South America. Okay. And they're made of a cactus, which is naturally hollow. Yes. But the way they make them is, so you you take a cactus and you dry it. Yeah. So it's hollow on the inside like a gourd does, right? But then they knock the needles into it. Okay. To smooth it out on the outside. And that's what's inside to make the sound when you tip it. It's the cactus needles. Oh. It's like an instrument that makes itself. Wow, that's super cool. Isn't that cool? It shows up a lot in this episode. Every time the killer is there. The killer. (laughs) It's the killer's sound, which is a strange sound to choose. Yes. It's not Bronze Age sound. It's not moon sound. I don't know what that would be, but (laughs) like he's the rain stick killer. I don't know, but it's there. Gagan has condoms. Yes, because she's with Adrian. That's the worst thing that could ever happen. And Harry gets so angry, he goes and yells at the plumber. She's 
they say she's 21, which she would at least be 21. She's a PhD student, unless she's a prodigy graduated yeah. from high school at 14 or something. Like, he's a pharmacist. He's like a doctor. He's got to know. People bit. have the sex, Dad. <laughs> Get over it. Like, not only does he just, he goes and yells at Peter, like, in the front yard, how embarrassing is that? But then he follows her to Adrian's later and looks in the window. I'm sorry. He is overstepping the dad line for he is. sure. Yeah. That's too much. I don't care that his wife died. That's sad. But that doesn't excuse him stalking his daughter. Yes. Yeah, and he's he has good intentions. Super nice but still, to some people. Mm-hmm. And then his daughter. That's one thing I don't like about this episode, but I do like so much. Jones is reading some fake books in the cop shop. <laughs> I like that Kate says, you guys aren't going to miss my birthday party on Saturday, right? Like, I'm inviting you to my birthday party. And Jones says, the beer disposal squad will be there. Yep. <laughs> I think that's so fun. That's so fun. And John goes, no. No. I don't do that. I'm Why not- does he not go to the birthday party? Because he and Sarah are going to spend time with a scented candle. I guess. While Sykes watches and does downward dog. Okay, so Katrina runs the tea shop. In the museum, and she also works for Lawrence at the observatory as his secretary. Well, she's a very busy person. She can't be doing anything else. No. Oh, wait a minute. She's at yoga, too. Yeah. Well, every all the ladies take yoga. All the ladies take yoga. Tanya is at yoga. Does Mags take yoga? No. Mags and Kate don't take yoga. Okay. But everybody else is at yoga. Did you think it was weird that Kate's birthday party is going to be in Midsummer Stanton? It did. Of all the pubs where she could have her birthday, it's like, well, we just had a murder there. We're going to be there anyway, so let's have the party there. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only explanation I've got for that. Lawrence and Adrian are arguing at the observatory about the news getting out that maybe the funding is going to fall through. Yes. And Adrian says, it'll pass. It'll blow over. Don't worry about it. And Lawrence says, and I quote, Nothing endures like the temporary. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't... I do not know. He's supposed to be a smart dude. That's a weird thing to say. Then Peter gets killed. And Rainstick... Rainstick, killer cam, spear cam, right? We get a little bit of spear cam. Yep. And the red gloves. Now, okay. Adrian's a fine fellow. Mm Mm-hmm. He's fit. He's young. Tutor recognizes talent. Mm-hmm. He's also a uh, decathlete, <laughs> apparently. Because if he's never thrown a spear before, to throw it exactly the way he did, perfectly, I'm not buying it. But Lawrence is actually the decathlete. I know, which is weird. They should have dropped in there that Adrian plays second. No, because they want you to think that Lawrence is the killer. But I think it's very convenient that the weapons that just happen to be at this Bronze Age site are also the items that are included in a decathlon. Now, does he appear... Was it a Bronze Age decathlon going on on that hillside? Is that what they dug up? Maybe. Does he appear with the crazy mask on at this point? I don't... Mm -hmm. I think it's it's the second killing. The third killing that he showed. No, he's got the mask on when okay. he kills Peter. Okay. Yeah. He kills him in his front yard with the spear, but then pulls the spear out, but lays it next to him and then poses him into yes. the sign of Scorpio. Peter Graves is found dead. The poor milkman 
At least it's not a cleaning lady, I guess. Yes. Who finds him. And then George is like, you know, Harry did it. I'm sure it was Harry. Because he thought Peter was having a thing with Guggen, so he killed him. Yes. Really? Yeah. In the middle of this, Tanya, who we haven't talked about, she's the, the other... reporter. The other reporter. She changes her clothes between two scenes. She's a woman about town. Okay. I have a new favorite show. It's now Midsummer. You want to know what my new favorite show is? Of course. Destroying Bronze Age Artifacts with Adrian. (laughs) Again, I just expect Time Team to show up and go, What are you doing? Stop it! Because he takes the moon disc and And puts it on a grinder. Yeah, to sharpen it. That's the most upsetting thing to me in this entire episode. (laughs) That he destroys a Bronze Age artifact, which would be fragile. And what, 4,000 years old? 5,000 years old? Let's be conservative and say 5,000 years old. If you just think about the fact that they didn't have real mining then. Yeah. The way they found metal was in bits and pieces and like one drop at a time. And they gathered enough and smelted it enough to make that thing. That would have been like two Ferraris stacked on top of each other important back then. And Adrian's like, and he's like, I'll just take it out of the shop. (laughs) I'll just grind it down. Funny moon mask. (laughs) But before that, when Harry's, when, uh, sorry, when George is like, well, Harry did it because they're in his shed. Yeah. Harry's infamous shed of drinking, apparently. Yes. He has great big tea chests out there. He does. That come from the Kalani Valley Plantation in Mahagastat, Sri Lanka. Ooh. The tea that comes from Mahagastat is incredibly special. How so? Um, well, first of all, the Kalani Valley Plantation is a real place. Okay. KVPL.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a four-letter URL. Wow. That tells you something. Yeah. Try to get one of those nowadays. They produce coconut, tea, rubber, and cinnamon. Cinnamon? No, cinnamon. Okay. They flip the O and the A everywhere on their website. Oh. To the point where my eyes were kind of crossing. I'm like, it's not spelled like that, right? It's not. <laughs> it's not, right? I had to like look it up and go, yeah. No, it's cinnamon, not cinnamon. Anyway. I'll link to their website in the um, show notes. A half a pound of first tip Mahagastat tea is 100 pounds. Wow. Now, what what George has, the crates say dust one. Yeah. Which is like the quality of tea that you put in a tea bag. It's yeah. basically like what's left on the floor after they make the good tea. It's all the like shreds that yeah. fall off. So it's like generic black tea. Yes. But those crates are ginormous. <laughs> and he's got like five of them. British like, people drink a lot of tea, man. But they're not the tea shop. That's just George's shed. <laughs> Maybe he puts his liquor in the tea boxes. Maybe. To confuse Mags. Mags, who Jones's grandmother knows. I loved that. Yeah. When, he, when she said your gran was around the other day, I'm like, damn it, why didn't we get to see her? It's like she was in the other room and left when we weren't looking. Like, I want to see Jones's gran. (laughs) And why was she there? Yep. (laughs) She was there to get her chart done, but she also just happened to give Mags Jones's information. 
Yes. Which would be his birthday and his time of birth. That's what she, yes. and, and the location where he was born. That's yes. what she would need to do his chart. Yes. Which she keeps in Word documents. Did you notice that? She does. On her computer? Yep. I was so disappointed. Then Tanya gets chased through the churchyard. By Lawrence because he's running. Yeah. She kind of freaks out. She does. Yeah. It's not nor It's not really like everything's pointing at Lawrence and there's still 20 minutes left in the show. And not everybody's dead yet. So guess what? It's not Lawrence. It's not Lawrence. Because Lawrence goes away to a, to Birmingham to a conference. For half a day. And somebody gets killed. Well, it's England. We probably had to take two nights worth this stuff. Who has stuff. a half day conference? I don't astronomers when they talk to harry about all of this he he goes all hindu spiritual esoteric on them and says that we're nearly at the end of the kali yuga cycle yes which is not something you can ride by the way and it's not it's not kali no right it's kali okay different okay do you know about these cycles no so there are four of them and the Kali Yuga, which is uh, the one that we are currently in, he says it's about to end. Mm-hmm. But each of these cycles lasts for 4,432,000 years. Oh. No, I'm sorry. 432,000 years. Okay. So the current one is not going to end for another five thousand years but in the grand scheme of things that's pretty close to the end so it's not soon it's not soon to me it's not you? like oh these murders will pass because soon no it's not in our lifetimes okay it's not in dinosaur life like it's it's <laughs> it's way out harry yeah it's way out it is it's it's not even on your calendar no it's that far out harry <laughs> Whatever it causes to happen in the cycle of light and the age of Aquarius is not going to help you or anybody else. No, no. I I hated that whole passage. George gets killed by a Frisbee of death. Were you impressed? I was very impressed by the Frisbee of death. I think I would have a better chance throwing that spear than the Frisbee. I, I agree. And like, he has the kissy kissy with Guggen and then he goes and kills the guy. Like... Adrian is off his rocker here. Clearly, when sh- when we're not looking at him, he's Nutsy Bobo. Yeah, but we get no sign of that. No, the only thing we get is he's kind of affectionate, and then, then they kiss, and you're like, oh, okay. So that's official. He's not just, like, putting the moves on his student. It's mutual. Yeah. So then he's less creepy. You say that, but he's in a position of power over he her. Is. So it is... You're absolutely right. It is not okay. But it's not unwelcome. No, but it's still Adrian's tutoring sessions suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when initially when he kind of he touches Guggen, you think um, creepy. But then when you realize she reciprocates, then it's less creepy. But none of that even comes close to who he is when we're not looking. Oh yeah, he's nutsy, because then nutsy, he's crazy. Nutsy Bobo. Then he's sharpening Bronze Age artifacts to throw like frisbees at old <laughs> men. <laughs> Poor Harry doesn't have a chance. No, George doesn't have a chance. He's kind of a pudgy guy with a pretty wide neck. He's a big target. Yep, he is. They try to soften that, the chances of that having worked, by saying, well, he probably died of a cardiac arrest. Yeah. Because he didn't just, like, explode into blood at his neck. (laughs) So he was probably dead before it hit him. Yeah. 
Okay. If I was outside in my yard and a guy in a mask came up to me, I'd be a little freaked out too. Do you think if you took the blade off of a circular saw and threw it like a disc that it would kill somebody? You'd have to throw it really hard and I don't think it would hurt somebody. I think you could get it to stick in a wall, but not hurt somebody. I think it could cut them. I think it would bruise them more than anything. I don't think it would decapitate them. No. But I guess that's the difference between something that has teeth and something that's just been sharpened like a razor. So he must have started... It's not sharpened. It's destroyed. It's it's defaced. (laughs) He must have started wearing these big suede gloves because he knew at some point he was going to throw something sharp. He must have. Because he didn't really need them. But he used the gloves to throw the meteorite. To hit him with the meteorite. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not going to take fingerprints. No. So he knew, like, that's part of the outfit. It's a black hoodie, it's the moon mask, and it's red suede work gloves. Yeah. They're weird. They're weird gloves. I feel so sorry for Mags. I mean, her relationship with George wasn't perfect, but they did care about each other. And she's genuinely sad. And I think she felt guilt about what happened with Mary all these years. And I think she feels a little dirty about claiming to have predicted the deaths. I think she's... And then her husband... It's it's gone too far. Yeah. she feels gross. And now it's really close to home. Yes. When she's sitting there, when they find him, and they just leave her sitting in the living room, she just looks so sad. Yeah, she's a great actress. I feel bad for her. Absolutely great actress there. I have a problem with this. Guggen has to take the bus. The whole reason that dad knows about the condoms... Because she forgot her purse, and he's running to meet her at the bus. Mm-hmm. Then she asks if she w- he could she could borrow the car, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming it's the cool little pharmacy car. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, they have one vehicle for the whole family. It's a work vehicle. She has to take the bus. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's the car, mm-hmm. which is a completely different vehicle. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't she take the the car to college? Maybe it's expensive to park on campus. Maybe. It is here. That's true. I hadn't thought of that, but I was like, why is Guggen <laughs> riding the bus? You're all upset because he makes her, her ride the bus. <laughs> like, because she can, and that's more environmentally friendly and probably cheaper. And she doesn't want her dad tracking her with his GPS everywhere she goes. <laughs> I guess. Because <laughs> you know he would. Guggen is very special. <laughs> John and Guggen talk, and she says, we found a planet. Yeah. And I think that Lawrence is killing everybody who knows about the planet that we discovered. And I'm next. She has every right to say this. Oh, yeah. I would be like, can I come home with you? If it it was... Just sit in your living room because I'm going to die. If it was me at this point, I would think it was Lawrence. I don't know who I would think it was, but I would definitely think I'm next. I'm next for sure. Yeah. Because... The secret amateur Star Watchers Club is yeah. getting knocked off. Yes. But John then goes back to the computer and looks up about discovering new planets. Yes. And it's it's never Google, but it's it's they change it every once in a while, but it's something that's spelled out in the same font as Google and yes. in the same colors it's as like Google. Mid Google. Yeah. Big, I think it's like Big Brother. Mid Google Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Now I've got that in my head. I'm like mashing up Midsummer and Google in my head. Thanks. You just totally sidetracked me. I appreciate that. Excellent. The first um, hit underneath what he's looking for is this story about two 
computer gamers discovering two planets in the Cygnus constellation in 2011. Is that a real story? It is. How did they discover planets? They kind of didn't. Okay. So you remember when SETI had um, the distributed processing? Yes. So SETI SETI is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. They've got this big set of radio telescopes that are listening all the time. But what they can't do is they can't process all the data that they're bringing in. I mean, nobody's got that much power. So Nobody did. Nobody did. So what they did was they did this distributed computing. So if you had a computer and you weren't using it, you could install this program so that when it was like sleeping, your processor could be used to help process the SETI data. Yep. Right. So everybody's doing a tiny, tiny bit, but added together, it makes this big, big thing. Yes. Um, so what these guys were doing is they were um, part of this thing called Planet Hunters. Okay. That was doing that kind of distributed processing of the Kepler Space Telescope data for NASA. Okay. And their computers happened to be the ones who processed a little bit of data that led to the discovery of two planets. So really what the amateurs do here? No, because they they didn't have any active part in processing oh, okay. that data. Their okay. computers did it. Okay. Because they agreed to let it, but they didn't like do anything to the data. Okay. Um, but they gave them some credit because their their computers were involved, and gamers have really great computers, so yeah. it makes sense that they would recruit among that community. But that's what happened. Okay. What do you think of the scorpion? Like many things, it comes out of nowhere in this episode. I think it quite literally has to have dropped on Guggen's lap. She gets in the car and it's on her lap. Yeah. Wouldn't she have sat on it? Where did he get the scorpion? Like, where would you get a scorpion? Okay. Pet store. Could you get a scorpion in a pet store here? Yeah, yeah. But we have no scene of, we're missing a scene where there's an aquarium and a red glove and reaches in and gets a scorpion out. We're missing that scene. Maybe he keeps it where he kept the meteorite. Maybe. (laughs) In his big rain stick of death. It is a de-stingered scorpion. If you look at it, its stinger has been removed. I didn't know. Scorpions are arachnids. Yes. And I really, really... You don't like them. Really hate spiders. Yep. But what I didn't know is that some scorpion species actually use their stingers not just for defense, but it's also, it's, it's how they take down their prey. Yeah. And they partially digest it that way, too. Oh. So if you take their stingers off to make them safe, it actually prevents them from actually being able to eat. Oh. That's not nice. No. But the great majority of scorpions have a sting that is equivalent of a bee sting or a hornet yeah. sting. It's not it's not the killer thing that people make. I mean, it there out. are some that are that have venom that will kill you. Yes. But they're very rare. Yeah. They're in the great minority. But then I learned something very interesting that is applicable to more things. I learned that if you get stung by one of these less venomous scorpions, not a killer one, that if you cut an onion and put it on the sting right away, it it has a pain reduction and inflammation reduction chemical in it. Oh. That also works on bee stings, hornet stings, really anything that has a stinger. Oh. Onion juice. Onion juice. Works. I didn't know that. Like... Officially works. 
It's wow. not just like, oh, you pee on a jellyfish sting. No, no. It's, it actually legitimately helps. Wow. You're going to smell kind of funny. Yeah. But you won't be in as much pain. Apparently the best thing you can do is put piece, a piece of an onion into like a garlic press and squeeze that onto it. Right onto it. So it like it. juices it. <laughs> Juicy onion scorpions. I wonder if like V8 would work. No. That has onion juice in it. A little bit. Or that weird onion clamato stuff. Like no. maybe if you poured that on it, it maybe. would. <laughs> I'm guessing just an onion cut in half would probably be best. It's implied here that he kidnaps Guggen. Mm-hmm. How does he keep her at the Astrodome? Well... Because she's not tied up at the end. I think she's locked in. But he goes and I think there he with has, the cops. I think he has a weapon or something that he's... But they go there. Don't they go there while she's in there and then they leave? Like, wouldn't she Yeah, be this is bit? what I don't understand. Her car was parked on the ridge where the Astrodome is, and that's where he's holding her. And they don't search the Astrodome. No. Or what? she's not there then. Maybe he's taken her away, and then he takes her there later. Maybe. Why take her all away and then come back? Why not put her car in gear and push it so it goes off the hill and nobody knows it's there? I why, don't know. We're not, with land. <laughs> why not play a weird noise every time he does something? Rain stick. So now we know it's Adrian. Yes. Scene of the crime. Is that that the spoiler sound or the rain stick sound? The rain stick sound. Okay. And there's the showdown at the Astrodome with the rain stick. Yeah. And Adrian smartly climbs up and jumps out of the top of the observatory and And makes a run for it. Just throws his gloves away. Well... (laughs) They're the they're the key evidence, right? Because he knows he's left those red fibers everywhere. He's like, yeah. nope, you'll never catch me, coppers. But his, I'm going to jump in my sob and drive off. But his car won't start. <laughs> Not before he tells Guggen that he's going to name the planet Guggendipica. Yes. Gee, thanks. Guggendipica? Isn't that her first name, really? I thought that was her first name. Oh, I thought, I thought it was Guggen and something different than Dipica. No. What is, did you think it was? I just thought there was a different suffix on it when oh, her dad said her name. No, no. It was Guggen. That was her name all along, Guggendipica. That's what I thought. Do you know about naming planets? No. What, how do planets <laughs> No, we've talked in? about naming craters, yes. listeners. Yes, we have. We have talked about that. So don't get confused here. 92 episodes. We're going to repeat ourselves. <laughs> back in season 14, episode 2, in the way, way back of Dark Secret. Yes. We talked about crater naming. Yes. And the International Astronomical Union. Yes. Responsible for naming craters. Yes, we did. And all of their subcommittees. Yes. But when it comes to planets, it's a bit more serious than that. I would assume. Okay, so so here are the rules. If you discover a planet, yeah, it's got to go through all these hoops of approval, but you do get to name it. Okay. They just have to approve it. Now, is there like a common name and a catalog name? There is a number. Okay. The number is the official. Yeah. Because it's universal. So like planet X it's like, 371. It's more like coordinate. Okay. Because then that would be true for anyone looking for that planet. Okay. Even if you were a Martian. Okay. Those coordinates would be right. Okay. But the name, which I guess is like the vanity. The vanity for part it, of it. Yeah. Is up to the person who discovers it. It has to be. No more than 16 characters. Okay. Preferably one word. Yep. Pronounceable, parentheses, in some language. Okay. <laughs> so I, I guess they 
would translate it. Like if, if a Chinese astronomer discovered a planet and they named it a Chinese name, they would translate it into other alphabets that would, so it would be pronounceable. Non-offensive. I think that's awfully subjective. Yep. Not too similar to an existing name of a minor planet or natural planetary satellite. Okay, no Uranus too. Mm-hmm. You also shouldn't name a planet after an individual or an event that is less than 100 years old. I can see that. So you can't name it Elvis. Yeah. Because he's not been dead for 100 years. Nope. Names of pet animals are discouraged, which I think is suspiciously specific. Planet Fanny. Names of purely or principally commercial nature are also not allowed. Lowe's World. (laughs) (laughs) World Mart. No, I, I think that's named more at like Richard Branson. Yeah. Like, uh, you can't go naming a planet, like, Virgin Planet. Yeah. Virgin Atlantic Planet. (laughs) You know, he's going to space this weekend. Yeah. For a minute and a half. Yep. But then, this is what I found super interesting, okay? Yep. I'm I'm sorry. I find this super interesting. Okay. it is. They have guidelines for certain kinds of planets. Okay. That you're limited. You're more limited, right? So, if you find... An asteroid, for example, that orbits past Jupiter. Okay. It has to be named for a hero from the Trojan War. Oh. If the planet orbits a giant planet, but is not in what they call a stabilizing resonance, which means it has a wobbly orbit, which means it probably hasn't been there that long, just a million years or so. Um, It has to be named for a centaur. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. That's wow. what it says. How many centaur names do we have? I don't know. They might have to start Since making them up. They're mythical creatures. Horny McHorn Man, the George centaur. George the centaur. Harold the centaur. Um, objects that approach the orbit of Neptune are given mythological names associated with the underworld. Oh, okay. Which is why Pluto is Pluto. Yeah. Um. If they're sufficiently outside Neptune's orbit. Like these are far reaching. Mm-hmm. But their orbital, and I'm quoting, their orbital stability is reasonably assured for a substantial fraction of the lifetime of the solar system. Okay. They're given mythological names associated with creation. So uh-huh. they are like some of the newest things to be in the solar system. Yeah. So they give them creation Genesis and things like that. If it crosses the Earth's orbit, it has to be given a Greek mythological name. Okay. Mars. Like, those are the rules. That Those this, seem to be solar system specific rules, though. Yes. It's, it's as if they all got together and said, okay, we kind of got a theme now for our solar system. Yeah. And we got to stick to it. Yeah. But we can't just have them picking anything. Yep. So let's narrow it down, you know. To centaurs. Centaurs! (laughs) Like, how many mythological names are associated with the underworld in in Greek mythology? Not enough. I I don't know. Plus, it's very Western Hellenic. It is. Centered. Yeah. If I was from an Asian country, I would be like, wait a minute. Yeah. What's wrong with our myths? Apparently not. Nope. Nope. It's right out. None for you. John stops... Adrian from getting away by taking the rotor arm off of the engine of his car. Now, I'm not a car guy. Okay. (laughs) We know all the things you're not. 
I'm not a car guy. Or an astronomer. I can or change a physicist. I can change a battery. I can, you know. Air up a tire. Air up a tire. Change a tire. But I'm yeah. not a car guy. Right. But I do know that if you unplug the spark plugs. Car, car won't go. Car won't. Car no go. Even one. Yes. Car no go. And you have to unplug them all, plus use a special tool. Not to, necessarily. Distributor caps can just have clips on them. Okay. Or a screw. So you take the the plug so to take off this rotor arm you have to unplug all of the spark plug wires yes there's usually five or six and then depending on how many uh cylinders the car is then you have to take the distributor cap off which is like um the size of a peanut butter jar kind of yeah like half of a peanut butter. you got to take that off then the rotor arm is underneath it now it just pulls off it just pulls right off Yeah, yeah it's not affixed with anything no um the rotor arm is the thing that spins around that provides the spark to each of the spark plugs in a circuit. Right? But Barnaby should come into the Astrodome with like rubbing grease off his hands. Yeah, because what he should have done is just said, I took the leads off his battery. Yeah, that's a much easier way to that do it. That would have been totally easy. Yep. But even then, you have to get in the car, you got to pop the hood, you got to open the hood, you got to prop the hood, you got to unplug the thing. Yeah, he did not have enough time to he do it. He doesn't have a gun, so he can't shoot out the tires. No. no. I don't know when he was supposed to do it. I guess while Jones... Jones is chasing Adrian, and John is trying to get in to Guggen, who's locked in. But he comes back... I watched it. So Jones comes up to the door first, and then Adrian leaves through the window, and Jones sees him. So John is lagging behind him, getting yes. to the Astrodome. Yes. So that's when he does that's it. That's when, when he they does first it. arrive. Because I was like, yeah, this doesn't happen. But then it does. Okay. He, okay. He lags so I'll give behind. it to him. Yeah. Maybe he practices doing that. Maybe. Because it's like a fail safe way to stop a car from going. <laughs> Instead of yoga, he practices rotor arm disassemblies, speed trials. Should, in the garage. There should be the sound of the hood shutting, and he should have a cloth wiping his hands of the grease. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the end. I'm sorry, this... Mr. Adrian. This is going to cost you $360. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> and, you know, I know you brought it in for a tire, but I found a problem with the engine. You know, if he takes his rotor arm off and then puts the distributor cap back on with all the spark plug wires attached, that would be kind of mean because it would take you a while to figure out that's what was wrong. Yeah. Well, no. Because it would like look fine. Like an experienced mechanic would know from the sound. Yeah. But a normal person wouldn't. No. It would take you a while to figure out You'd what he unhooked. look at the battery first. Yeah. Which is what he should have unhooked. And that is the end of Written in the Stars. Wait, there's Kate's birthday. Nope. Wait. Yeah, I'm sorry. Last week I was like, ooh, yeah, the next episode we get to see Kate in a bar. No. No, I was thinking of the next one. Yep. What do you think of Jones's outfit for the party? It's a bit weird. Is it? I forget what it is. He's got a white v-neck t-shirt on under a blue corduroy jacket and jeans. Hmm. It... it uh, what I don't like is it's heavily implied that him and Kate are going to get together. Because an 11 or the letter K is going to be important to him this weekend. Yeah. According to Mags. Which is all, you know. And we've never seen any <sighs> any hint that he has the hum and a hum and for Kate. Other than, yeah, I'm going to your party because he's a co-worker and she invited him. And beer, you know, fun. Never mind. Barnaby is like, no, I'm not going to your stupid party. I'm going to have sex. <laughs> is that what he sounds like? 
Sending candles. Just the two of us. It's just the two of you all the time. And they you don't le- have Betty yet. They leave with all this evidence lying around. Oh, yeah, they do that all the time. They, they, the incident board in full vision of anybody yeah. who walks in the cop shop and gets a cup of coffee from the vending machine. It doesn't matter. I, V-neck t-shirts are not that common on men here. No. You don't see men wearing them very often. Though I read an article the other day that suggested I wear a V-neck t-shirt. Oh, are they the thing now? Well, for men of my size, yes. Of a certain age. Yep. In antiquity. Yep. Are you a, a Bronze Age artifact that needs to be sharpened up? <laughs> I don't think you need any sharpening. Oh, I think you're just fine the way you are. You. But if you want to wear a V-neck, that's fine too. After the credits. Oh, wait a minute though. You oh, skipped. Oh, best corpse. Best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Jeremy, Peter, or George? Jeremy, we don't get to see a lot. He's of. just laying in the dark. Yeah, and... Peter's posed like a scorpion. Yes. I think Peter keeps that pose a little... Well. Mm. I think he does well there. George is in the corpse pose. Yes. Because <laughs> he's a corpse. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> so who do you like the best? I like Peter the best. I'm going to say Peter, is too. that staged body. It's It's a complicated pose for a yeah. dead body to be in for a while. <laughs> because Adrian is crazy! <laughs> Though there's no outward signs of his craziness. I still don't know why he was bothering with that whole charade of an astronomical serial killer. I I don't know why he was pretending. I guess to frame Lawrence, but Lawrence shows no sign of being crazy either. Well, no, Lawrence has no interest in the Bronze Age artifacts. Why would he do that? Uh, I don't know. I think Jack the editor's the killer, really. Jack Clough? Clough. You guys are both going to lose your jobs. Leaving. After the credits. Well, Lawrence is fine. You think he'll get his funding? I think so. I think him and Katrina may get together. Yeah. Mags is going to ride this as much as she can, I think. I think that she has friends. I think she'll be okay. I don't think she goes to jail because of what happened with Mary. No, no, no. No, she won't. I think that Harry forgives her about what happened to Mary. Yeah. What about Guggen? Is she going to finish her PhD? I certainly hope so, though she's like... Every PhD is a struggle. You had problems. Yep. I had problems. It's, it's a challenging. struggle. But your tutor that you're in a sexual relationship with is also a serial killer. Might disrupt your Seems plan like of study. Seems like a difficult one. <laughs> Might slow you down. And I also think she's smart and everybody says she's smart. You know, there's that sort of urban legend that if you're roommate kills your uh, kills themselves in college did you, they give you a free pass for the semester yeah it's not true by the way oh i know it's not true they don't just give you a's in all of your classes because no. somebody died but strangely <laughs> enough phd is even more subjective yeah i, I do think, think there's some university leadership who will like show a little bit of mercy and say you don't need to defend anything you're you're good or if you want to take a semester off that's okay yeah and, and we'll find another tutor to guide you in your dissertation. Yeah, and you don't need to worry about funding. Yeah, you, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tanya and Mags have to run the newspaper. Yeah. Well, maybe if they put the right stories under the right headlines, it would help. That, yeah, I don't think you can really run a newspaper just by replacing the names and stories you take from someplace <laughs> else. <laughs> if that's how you're filling the columns, you might be in trouble and harry runs the pharmacy yeah 
I think Harry will be okay. At first, when they said Harry was a chemist, I thought he was a chemist at the university. Oh. Like he was in the chemistry department. No. And I was like, oh, he's the pharmacist. Pharmacist chemist. Like Boots the chemist. I wonder if they get that confused and is to the chagrin of PhDs of chemistry in England. Yeah. I know he has shopping baskets in his pharmacy and not much on the shelves to put in them. No, but I love his little car. I do like his little truck. Yep. It's cute. It's kind of like Pearl's truck in, what's the show? Whitstable Pearl. Whitstable Pearl. Yeah, she has that is. little truck. Well, that's written in the stars. What do we have next? I mean, how, can we top Rainstick Moonface Serial Killer? Oh boy, can we? Because up next, we have episode 93, season 15, episode 4, Death and the Divas. It is the Hammer Horror Films episode. <gasps> Ooh. You're doing a little happy dance. Yes. Oh, before we wrap. Yeah. Okay. I don't have horrible movies for you to guess. Okay. But I do have a really weird, horrible movie coincidence relevant to this episode. Okay. Two of the actors who are in this episode, Soraya Radford, who plays Guggen. Yeah. And uh, Maureen Lipman, who plays Mags. Yeah. Have both been in movies that have ratings of less than three out of ten on IMDb. Wow, these are bad movies. They both star Danny Dyer. I don't know who Danny Dyer is. He's a British kind of comedic actor. Have we seen him before in anything? Um, I think I think we've seen him in like variety shows and on okay. panel shows. Okay. One of them, the one that. Guggen, Soraya Radford is in, is called Basement from 2010. Okay. And it's about a group of friends who are like hiking or traveling or something and somehow get lured into a basement that's a trap by an evil guy. Okay. Kind of a saw, Texas chainsaw kind of deal. Okay. This is how bad it is. Okay. I'm reading from a review. Okay. I have just taken great pleasure in cutting up the DVD and disposing of it just in case <laughs> someone makes the mistake of ever putting it in their DVD player. I would rather gnaw my own legs off than watch this again. Do not watch if you know what's good for you. Wow. That's quite the review. Yeah. Yeah. And then what mag- movie is Mags in? Maureen Lipman is in a movie called Run for Your Wife. Okay. From 2012. It has a 2.7 out of Oof. 10. Oof. It's the story of a man who is married to more than one woman in the same city and is madcap running around trying to prevent them from knowing about one another oh the uh the the highest rated review on this one is written by a user named flutes and roots okay um the subject line is this movie made me kill myself oh (laughs) i am writing this from beyond the grave i hope the director is happy this film caused me to lose all hope in humanity and i threw myself under a bus it's not too bad here, actually. The sushi is endless and really excellent, and the soundtrack is amazing. I'm assuming that the people in the other place have to watch Run for Your Wife on a loop over and over again. <laughs> I can't see any other reason for its existence. I'll put links to both those movies in the show notes. Wow, those are painful reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Puts our bad YouTube comments into perspective, doesn't it? But I have to blame Danny Dyer for luring two perfectly good actresses into two very bad movies wow (laughs) maureen and soraya you are better than that yes (laughs) you were both great in this episode and you deserve better films to be in yes all right next week death and the divas Woohoo! hammer horror films yes 
That's a good one. They're all good. I love Midsummer. Yes. And we love you guys. You we maniacs. We love you guys. You guys are awesome. You maniacs. We have but three more Jones episodes. Four, five, and six. Don't get sad yet. Nope. We'll have fun first. Then we'll get sad. Yes. Poor Jones. Poor Jones. And his V-neck t-shirt. Well, he gets promoted. It's not like he just got sick and no, disappeared. No, but I don't want him to go. I know. I love him. And then we have a Christmas episode. <laughs> That's true. All right. So until then, bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. Are you ready? Sure. Yeah, whatever. Go, let's go. Let's okay. do it. Let's be crazy. Let's get off the hook. Five, four, three, <laughs> two, <laughs> one. <laughs> you can't start like that. <laughs> you counted down and I said, yeah, let's get off the hook. And then let's do this. Okay. Let's raise the roof. Five, four, three. We're balling. Two. <laughs> Midsummer. Woohoo! One. <laughs>